This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors will kill to have on the team. Welcome back to the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart, and uh, my wife and I have the incredible opportunity and honor to lead this tribe of uncommon church builders we call Leading Second. If you lead and you're not in charge, welcome to your new tribe. Welcome to a community of leaders attempting to get it right as we serve our pastors and serve a vision bigger than ourselves. I'm so glad you're here today. Of course, the Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning. Well, today we have an exciting episode that I just can't wait to share with you. Uh, Today's episode is a bit different. Uh, A few episodes ago, as you um, may have heard, we did a series of conversations on millennials in ministry. And for today's episode, I decided to sit down with some young leaders themselves, uh, talk to some millennial leaders, uh, hear their feedback, learn from their perspectives, answer their questions. And I just love how it turned out. So I can't wait to share this with you today. I believe it's going to help you and give you perspective, whether you are a millennial in ministry or whether you lead millennials in ministry. I hope this conversation helps us all uh, get it right and get better. But first things first, as you know, every week on the podcast, our first segment is crowdsourced. And today we had another great question come in from a listener of the podcast and thought we'd give some perspective. So let's check out this question coming to you straight from a member of the Leading Second Tribe. My name is Johnny Duggins, and I'm from Fredericksburg, Virginia, and I'm with Crossroads Church. I do have a question for you, but I have to just start by saying this. Thank you, Brandon, to you and your team. Leading Second has completely changed my life. Uh, The content is stuff that I've needed for years, and to be honest, in many of these thoughts and questions, it's the first time I felt understood. And so I truly feel part of a tribe, and I know there's more like me out there. Leading Second is truly making a difference and for the kingdom, and it's personally made a huge difference for me. So thank you, truly thank you to you and your team. As for my question, it's simply this. Brandon, what is the biggest leadership myth that you've come across? And I'd just love to hear your thoughts on it. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart, and I pray the absolute best to each and every person listening to this podcast. Well, Johnny, I loved your question and uh, love the idea of leadership myths. And of course, there's probably a hundred, I, I could imagine. Uh, but I thought about this, about how I'd want to answer this question. And here is a leadership myth I think I'd want you to try on today. And that's, here's the myth. My role or my title is my identity. Now keep in mind, I'm saying this as someone who is a four on the Enneagram. If you know what that means, you know that four I am all about finding identity, my identity. And um, as I walk through the journey of finding my identity in Christ, which is, of course, the goal, what I realize is that in reality, I always seem to default to finding my identity in what I'm doing rather than who I am in Christ, if I'm just being honest with you. In other words, in this season of my life, I'm learning to be more rather than do more. Now, now don't get me wrong. I, I work really hard 
you know, I try to pull my weight, carry a lot of responsibility, hopefully steward it well. But what we do can't be the summation of who we are. In other words, I think when, when responsibility and identity get too intertwined, I just think that's a myth. You are not your role. You are not your title. You are not your responsibilities. You are first and foremost, our highest calling is to be a child of God and to anchor into that. And when our identity is secure, so many other aspects of our leadership is secure. Think about it like this. If my pastor came to me one day and said, hey, Brandon, I need to move you to another seat on the bus. If my identity was found in my title or my position, that would be an identity crushing conversation. But if my identity is found in Christ, my approval is found in Christ, my pastor can come to me, freely move me to where he needs me, where I best serve, but my identity is still secure. Pastor Brian Houston of Hillsong Church, I believe, said it like this one time. He said, hold your calling tight, but your position with an open hand. In other words, your position can move, but your calling is still secure. So I just want to encourage anyone who's listening today to find your identity in Christ, not your position or title. It's a leadership myth to think those are both the same. And I pray it'll help you find security as the seasons of ministry um, come to you and maybe change some things about you. I pray that you'll find security in that. If you have a question you'd like to hear us answer on the podcast, or if you'd like to share your I am leading second story, I'd encourage you to reach out to us at leadingsecond.com or send us an email at leadingsecond at churchforward.co. Let us know your questions, share your story. We would love to feature you on an upcoming episode of the podcast. Well, I'm excited today to bring to you a very different episode, a very different conversation as a continuation of our series of episodes, Millennials in Ministry. I recently sat down with four young leaders themselves who serve in different areas of church life, different levels of responsibility. And um, I asked them questions, they asked me questions, and I believe this will help you whether you are a millennial in ministry, whether you lead millennials in ministry. Uh, I think this will give us just some fresh perspective on what's on the mind of young leaders themselves today. Let's remember that at Leading Second, we are not into labels, we are into leadership. I believe that there are some labels that have been slapped on this generation that are not accurate. And I believe it's time that we empower a generation to lead in a very unique season and culture uh, in our day to day. So here we go. Without further ado, my conversation with four millennials in ministry. You say what's up, everybody, guys. It's going to be fun. Um, I, I gathered some of the best. I know we're not supposed to have favorites, but some of my favorites, um, some leaders that have been in our coaching groups uh, with leading second and um young leaders who are actually in the trenches of ministry. So, so doing ministry in a local church context. And today we just wanted to have a conversation on being a young leader in ministry. A, a few episodes ago on the podcast, we did a series of millennials in ministry, and I felt like we had some great conversations to this generation that we call millennials. Today, what I thought would be interesting is let's hear, let's reverse the conversation. Let's hear backwards now. Let's hear from you. You know, you're questions, your thoughts. I may even interview you all a little bit. Um, I want to kind of hear from young leaders who are actually navigating the landscape of local church leadership today. What is that looking like for you? How is that feeling 
for you? What what questions do you feel like you're you're navigating as a young leader? So we're gonna have fun today, and uh, why don't we get the introduction started? Uh, Colby, get us get us started. Who are you? Sure. Well, my <laughs> name is Colby, as you uh, said, and I uh, work with our students here and um, the director of our student ministries. And I've been in you know paid ministry for the past almost three years of my life, and then before that, I was you know volunteer even as a teenager working at the church for for a long time. How old are you? I'm 21. 21. The ripe old age of 21. I'm Madison. Madison. Yes, I am a connections coordinator. So anything that has to do with people, life groups, small groups, serving. I love it. That is me. I help people get connected. Um, and so I love it. I'm 22. Did I say it? I've been doing this for three years? Yeah, I've been doing this for three years. And That's I awesome. Love it. I love it. I love it. Morgan. Yeah, my name is Morgan. I am a children's director at one of our campuses. Um, and I have been doing ministry last week marked my fourth year on staff. I know. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that. I'm 26 and, um, been in ministry, you know, serving and interning before that, but on staff for four years. So now listen, Morgan, I don't want podcast Morgan. I want, I want full of life. Ah! Morgan. <laughs> Do you like how smooth that was? <laughs> you, that was very smooth. You, so I can be my seven Enneagram self? Yes, you can. Thank yes, you. Please, please give us all of your Okay. Seven. I got to hold this mic far enough away. I'll be yelling in it <laughs> before it's over. <laughs> Anyone who's been in a coaching group with Morgan knows what I'm talking yes. about. Anyways, Adam. Hi, I'm Adam. Uh, I help oversee our young adults ministry called Movement, and uh, I also oversee our campus care team as well. I'm 26, been in ministry full-time for about two and a half years. Um, before that, volunteering with different teams and doing whatever needs to it. happen. I love it. Well, you all are great. I love that you are in the trenches of ministry um, what I love about all of you is that you love ministry and that you love church. And um, today we wanted to talk about this word being a millennial in ministry. As we said during that that series of episodes here on the podcast, we're not into labels, we're into leadership. I think there have been some words that have been painted over this generation that I, I don't think are millennial traits. I think they're human traits. Sure. You know, in other words, we, we, we say words like lazy. I don't think that's a millennial trait. I think it's a human trait. <laughs> Laziness did not start with this generation. <laughs> Entitlement did not start with this generation. Things are just showing up differently because the landscape is different today. And and how, if you are a young leader in ministry listening to this today, you are having to navigate a very unique and different digital information world uh, of leadership. And if you're leading millennials or leading young leaders, uh, you probably do have to lead a bit differently. So so let's not let's not go down the road of better or worse. Let's just go down the the that this is this is now and it's different. And we sure. want to, um, I guess, continue to use the right tools of leadership that match this generation. So that being said, I want to um, throw a question y'all's way because uh, oh, yeah. we're in the south right now. Uh, y'all's way this morning and and talk back to me for a second before we get to your questions. Um, what do you think about the word millennial that we say, you know, kind of about this generation and, you know, some of the connotations that come with it? I don't know. Like, like talk to it, talk back to us. I'm barely, maybe even not a part of that generation. I'm sure. the half breed, one foot in, one foot out. So I guess talk back to me. How, how does that even hit you? 
Sure. I guess right off the bat for me, um, I think as if we define it as just an age group from X year to X year, I think it's fine as categorizing certain age groups. Um, I think it's when you start getting into the labeling of the stereotypes, like you mentioned earlier, that people kind of find discontentment with it in regards to, oh, you know, lazy, entitled, you know, that can only be on their phone, which, uh, don't get me wrong, can be a very large issue. But I think maybe it's just my millennial talking to even use that word right now. But but the the labeling, you know, which is, I guess if you're going to use it anti-millennial, is what I would say someone who is in that age group wouldn't like. Well, totally. I mean, if if you think about even we're in the information age yeah. now, so so even the way we work is different. Fifty years ago, someone may have had to go to an office to work because they couldn't have worked from home. It was yeah. wouldn't have even been a possibility, or or worked on a factory floor or worked differently. But today, you can legitimately be in a coffee shop working. Yeah. You can legitimately be at home working just with the same pace as if you were down the hall. Yeah. You know, so so on the surface, what appears as you're just on a MacBook, you know, in, in a coffee shop, in, yeah. you know, all day. It, it, it's to me, it's not working worse. It's working differently because we can, sure. you know, where, where's that? So I think maybe it shows up that way sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, and we just haven't embraced that. It's, it's in, in some ways, it's just a new day. Yeah, um, I would say I've experienced it positively and negatively you know like you were saying the negative connotation of lazy or entitled I think that can be thrown around really easily um because I mean probably all of us in this room have been told like oh you're not a normal millennial because you're actually good at what you do and you know (laughs) like they're throwing shade maybe not directly at us but in general, you know, I've had that th- just put on me because of so my good. age, even though I may not be like that. But I've also experienced it positively where people have come to me and people around me like, hey, you're a millennial. I would love your perspective on it because you have a different understanding than I do. You know, I love that you said that because I feel like I feel like so many people say that to me when I'm at a church. So I usually will get introduced to at least one or two leaders. This is just not a typical millennial. and But every church, first of all, has those people, number one. And then as I've talked to pastors, I've actually heard more and more pastors lately saying to me, actually, my team doesn't behave like how I hear this generation described. My team is actually more all in than anyone I've ever seen. My team is more willing to lose their life in something bigger than themselves you know, than I've ever seen. So I'm actually feeling like pastors are saying what, what they're saying about this generation is not my actual experience leading this generation right now that I don't know who came up with the labels, but I just feel like we are seeing a lot of people defy in a great way. You know, we use this word in leading second, the word uncommon. And I think that's what we want to talk about is, is with leading second is we want to be uncommon church builders. In other words, not go with the labels or go with the grain or go with the flow of our generation, but, but truly stand out and represent kingdom culture, not a generation's culture or, or, or labels someone has put on us or whatnot. Yeah. You know, it's unfortunate that labels tend to be negative because it can also, like Madison was saying, be super empowering or just the reality of the day and age we live in. Like, I think it, it's really cool. Maybe it's my optimistic self. I don't know. 
But I think it's rad that you can sit in a coffee shop and be Skyping somebody who's on your team from across the country. Like we live in a really cool, technologically advanced age. And, you know, our generation really loves that and owns that and moves that forward. And so there's something really cool about that. Yeah, it comes with stigmas and okay, people are going to say what they want to say. But I think it's our job as millennials to redefine that, um, redefine the label, but then also just be like, you know what, this is who we are. And like, let's own this. And, you know, all the positive things that come along with what we know, um, because we know more than we've ever known. Granted, we do have Google in our pocket and that helps a lot. And we do have um, maps on our phone. Thank God, because I would literally lose my way otherwise, but I don't know how people use paper maps. Literally I would die, but there's (laughs) advancements that people haven't had before. And it's really cool that our generation uses those, um, in ministry and in the work, you know, the workplace, the marketplace. Um, I think if we choose to let the label be negative, we'll just be offended all the time. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if we move past that, there's a lot of really optimistic things about it. That being said, you, you mentioned Google in your pocket. Or, or when I think the responsibility though that comes with this generation is that we we can't use that as a crutch, and there are still old school habits and practices that we have to learn to embrace that may not be technologically cool, but are still beneficial. The word tells us to hide the word in our heart. Yeah, but Google searching. A Bible verse <laughs> right. is not the same Pinterest as hiding not the, the same word as the Bible. Yeah, it's not. In other words, getting back to some old school things like memorizing scripture, meditating on the word of God. Yeah. I, I know so many young leaders right now, honestly, that still don't know how to study the word to bring a message because it's so easy to look on YouTube and grab somebody else's thought that they got out of the word, present it as your own. You know, rather than, than than truly being disciplined to be in the word for yourself, just because it's in your pocket, it's there. You have the greatest sermons in the world in your pocket. So it does come with a responsibility. Totally. Uh, on the same point to, okay, I, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm, we're not going to embrace the label of the crutch, but we also need to realize the responsibility. We still have to get, stay at the basics, get back to the basics. Totally. We have the opportunity more than ever to not have to go to a book Bible like, or, you know, go to the library. Yeah, we can pull that up on in the same way. We shouldn't be, um, you know, pulling from yesterday's manna, right? Totally. Um, totally. Google, if used appropriately, I mean, if we use our technology appropriately can Totally. totally get us back to those basics. I think it's very easier for millennials to forget that. And you're so right because the practice is not there as much as it used to be, even if in, older generations, it was, you just did it just because it was the right thing to do. You didn't have a why. Um, now people are looking for more of a why and it's not there as much as like the, the practice of yep. being in your word and being in quiet time, but you're totally right. I think technology, if used wisely is at our advantage. Let me get to some of your questions here. Um, because you guys had some great questions and Colby, I do want to start with you. Um, you, you had a great question. I think that you wanted just to kind of express out of your heart, this generation. Sure. So um, kind of even going back to what we were talked about with the Google in your pocket in a kind of a world where the first thing that we do when we have a problem or an issue is we look it up, we Google it, we read forums or whatever it is. And with that context in mind, we do the same thing with spiritual questions as well. You know, you know, is God real? <laughs> whatever, whatever that is. And um, those questions that we used to go to church to ask, we now Google instead. And mm. so 
my question is kind of along the lines of what are some of the differences, and that might be one of them, um, that you are seeing in between uh, young leaders, millennials, if you want to call them that, in in their faith, how they believe, what they believe, things that are different, and how they perceive even God um, or leadership and ministry or just ministry at church as a whole um, that's different than the previous generations and age groups. I think one one difference, it's a great question, one difference that I've seen is what you just alluded to, the access to information is so easy. Like, because I didn't have that kind of access to learning ministry from YouTube yeah. or, you know, whatever, yeah, I had to have a mentor. Yeah. There was no other way to to get that information in, into my life. Sure. So I'll often, in my messages, refer to some of my earliest mentors because they dramatically shaped my life. Yeah. I actually don't hear millennials saying that enough today. Yeah. Because YouTube mentored them. Yeah. Or Google mentored them. Um, when, when you hear the disciples call Jesus rabbi or teacher, just think about some of the words that they called Jesus. To call someone your, your, your rabbi or your master, what they were saying was, I want everything that's on your life to be on my life. I want, literally, they were saying, I want the dust of your sandals to be on me. I want to follow you so closely that everything that's on you gets on me. And I actually do, I see that as being a negative miss right now in this generation that, that, that please use technology, please use all of those tools, but realize they're just tools. They're not your mentors. So, so, so in in a negative sense, I, I don't see young people enough anchoring into the, the, you know, someone that God has brought into your life that you would say, I want what is on your life. I want that in mine. And I wish I saw more of that because I feel like I had that. I feel like maybe one of the number one ways God blessed me with, was with some really high capacity sure. early mentors and that it dramatically shaped my life. Yeah. I also, um, in, in terms of how they're different though, I, I think that um, I, I feel like young leaders right now are craving authenticity from leaders. I, I feel like um, I hear so many conversations right now. Um, in fact, I, I prayed with um, a student leader at a church I was at this weekend um, about depression sure. and anxiety. And he's like a teenager. Yeah. And I'm thinking, how in the world are, are, are we experiencing this, this, these levels of anxiety and depression and 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 whatnot at young ages, and and I think it's it's because of some of the pressures that kind of come with our our day and age today, and so I think young leaders just desperately need the people speaking to them to be authentic, and be real. Don't don't brush over your hurts. Don't brush over your hangups. Be willing to talk appropriately about them. I I just think this generation is craving authenticity like like never before. Don't 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 give us just the how to succeed you know, message also talk to us yeah. about how to navigate our hurts because I feel like like we're we're it's just very magnified right now. Yeah. And I think the other thing I wanted to say to your your question about the differences is um I really hear out of young leaders today a real need and desire for um the Holy Spirit. And I I I know we have probably a wide range of people listening to this today who may even have a wide range of views on the Holy Spirit. But but to me we live in a day where truth has been eroded 
absolute truth is not a concept anymore. Truth is now relative, um, not absolute. That's new as of the last couple decades. And um, sorry, I'm just going to say it. We live in a world, world where not even gender is safe. Or um, you know, you know, thought, thought, thought. Some of these, these, these bedrock thoughts on our creation and our identity aren't even safe anymore. And um, so, as young leaders who are in ministry, who love the Lord, who want to build the church and live according to the Word of God, we need some constants. And what could be more constant than the Word of God and the Holy Spirit? You know, the, you know, the power of God in our lives. And I, I just think young people are running to churches right now that have an expression of worship and have an expression of. Holy Spirit, we're not talking about the Wild West of Pentecost that was that that happened one day. We're we're talking about a, a an empowered life because to me, when I'm navigating a world that lacks some constants, the Holy Spirit is constant. Yeah. And we also throw around this word this word relevant. We want to be relevant to to people who are unbelievers, which of course we do. Why would we want to be anything else? But I heard it said one time, what could be more relevant to a lost person than the Holy Spirit? I mean, there's no creative element we can do in church that would be more relevant to someone away from Christ than the spirit of God drawing them to repentance. So I just think that, I just see this really real desire to get back to a healthy sense of Pentecost in our life. And I, I, I pray every day when I wake up that God would just fill me with every part of him, every bit of his spirit, uh, because it's the Holy Spirit that'll break the yoke of bondage of depression and anxiety and fear off of young leaders and, and young people that are navigating, you know, those very real things. Yeah. And the Holy spirit, what's so cool is gives you that passion, gives you that desire. And I think millennials, like you were saying earlier, have a desire to do something greater and to be a part of something that really matters. And when that energy and that passion's focused in the right direction, man, what an unstoppable generation when filled with the Holy spirit and when recognizing man, the Holy spirit's what, um, guides me and helps me make my decisions and really is the firm foundation, um, that allows me is the counselor in these times of trials. That's so good. When that is honed in and that's where, um, the passion is drawn from, man, what an unstoppable generation really. Morgan, you actually had a great question. I was going to come to you next. Um, what was your question for? Yeah. You know, I think, um, young leaders, well, maybe it's just me. I don't know. (laughs) I, I feel like I grew up in a microwave society. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, a home cooked meal is great, but I can get my meal in two minutes and 47 seconds in the microwave. <laughs> and in yep. the same way, the faster, the better in this generation. And so I feel like that's not necessarily how God works in our pace of leadership. I think if anybody's like me, it's like, hey, okay, I want to, I know my dreams, I know my goals. Let's get there. Put me there. Put me on the mountaintop. And that's just totally, at least in my experience, not been how it works. You got to, you know, you got to climb there and being satisfied in that has been a difficulty for me. Um, So I'd just be interested in anything you have to say around that topic, around the topic of pace of leadership in comparison or contrast to the way society works today. Yeah. God does not raise us up like Uber Eats. Right. You know, Uber Eats, you go on an app, you press a button, you sit and watch you know, a show while someone else makes your food and it shows up at your door and you didn't do any work for it, you know, and it happened as quick as possible. Like that's not how the plan of God works in our lives because that meant you didn't have to prepare and plan what you were going to make. You didn't have to go to the store and buy it. You didn't have to come home and actually cook it and do the work in order to eat it. 
but I think in, in our, in our Uber, you know, instant gig culture today, I just think it's really easy to buy into this idea that I can have anything I want now, right? Because actually you can have most things you want now in life, but you can't have your purpose now. Yeah. Wow. Like that. Um, I feel like what I find myself saying to leaders and the thought I find myself leaning into on this is that you need to know the seasons mm-hmm. that the Ecclesiastes says there's a time and a season for everything. God works in seasons and some seasons are harvest season and some seasons are planting seasons. Some seasons are winter seasons. And I think you need to know that, that, that your life will work seasonally. Number one, I think that we, anyone who's in their twenties, needs to zoom out and realize that no one fully walks in their purpose in their 20s. Most people, the vast majority of people don't even start to see the beginnings of like the big thing in their life until their 30s. Jesus started public ministry at 30. Why do we think we have to be there at 21? (laughs) You know, if if, if it took our perfect Lord three decades to get there. You know, what, why, why do we think that I'm missing the boat at 25? What my opinion is that your 20s are preparation for your 30s. That what's happening in your 20s is you're laying the foundations of your life that you will build on in your 30s and in your 40s. If, if, if it, I'm just hypothesizing here, if you'll kind of walk into the big thing that God has for you, maybe started in your 30s, what you're doing in your 20s is you're laying the foundation of character. You're laying the foundation of integrity, of your finances, of your relationships. I mean, think about it. God can call you to step out and do something great at 30. But if you didn't manage your finances well in your 20s, you could be swallowed up in debt and unable to answer the call of God on your life because you didn't lay the right foundation in your 20s for your 30s. Um, Or you could be in wrong relationships or you can be in... So, so I think we just need to know the seasons and realize that, that God isn't playing a microwave game with us. He's not playing an Uber Eats game with us. He's playing a long game with us. That actually your, your greatest influence and your, your greatest contribution probably won't come until your 40s and 50s. And, but you need to be around long enough to see those things come to pass. I mean, I pray, I'm 38 recording this. I pray that I haven't even begun to see influence in my life. Like I, I pray this is all prelude. I hope it's all prelude, but you gotta, you gotta think long-term on this long game. Um, it's of course, through social media, we can see people in their late twenties and early thirties thriving and succeeding. And we, we feel like we're missing the boat and it's just not true. It's not accurate. Yes, someone might be having a measure of success or an appearance of success or, or God really using them at a young age, which he does. But I think we just have to realize that even those people will experience the same patterns in their life. Their greatest days of influence are still ahead if they stay in it for the long haul. Does that make sense? So I just think we need to know the seasons. And I, I want you all in ministry thriving in two decades and three decades. Um, but you don't want to get there too quick. There are people that I know even in my own life who, who got there quick and the pressure's tough when that happens. The foundation isn't, isn't dry yet. And, um, you don't want to build on that foundation. It's too much pressure too quick. Um, if you build right, you'll be able to handle it when it does come.
So my question um, is about leading up while also honoring authority. I know um, you talk often about honoring authority and how important it is and the things that it provides for us, which is covering protection, wisdom, and insight. As young leaders, we also have different insight and perspectives. And so how can we lead up to our leaders while also honoring their authority, but still getting them to see where we're coming from? Yep. I think um, so many young leaders want to be unique, want to have a voice, want to make a contribution, and rightly so. There's amazing levels of creativity in young leaders today. I mean, like amazing innovations in young leaders today. Um, But what you're getting back to is a real struggle that I think most young leaders sit in a place where they go, I want to contribute more. I'm either not being asked to, or my leader's not asking me, or or, um, my leader doesn't want to hear what I have to say, or... And how do I honor that? How do I, is that your question? Just say, just how do I, how do I honor that season, that leader? We have a great um, team value, which is, goes along with honoring the authority, which is throw the grenade. You know, you have a meeting, you flush things out, a decision is made and you leave. And whether you like that decision or not, like you honor your authority, that's the, the decision that was made. But knowing how to do it well, how to bring things to the table well so that it's understood the right way um, yep. so that they really see where you're at. I'd want to advocate for young leaders for just a second, not my position to usually do this, but I would want to say to anyone who's listening, who who is more senior in leadership or a lead pastor who does lead younger leaders, I think it's important that we do hear the cry of young people to want to be at the table. To want to, I think churches are served well by having young leaders have a seat at the table and have a voice of contribution. So I think that is that is necessary, that is important. I think as senior leaders, we need to make room for that to happen. That being said, going back to the young leader's seat, I'm going to say similar thing to what I just said to Morgan, and that is that you have to be in it for the long game. And that comes, you, your contribution will increase as you build more trust. Yeah. That what what leaders in your life are looking for is can you faithfully serve my vision, no matter what, if you can, and if you build that level of trust with me, I'll open the door for you to contribute back into that vision. But trust comes first. Jesus said, you'll find your life when you lose it. You have to be willing to lose your life into something before you can find it. We want to, um, we, we want to find our life only, but we don't want to lose it. So to me, to me, um, if I can see the long game, it helps me to honor my leader in the moment. I'll just be honest. I regularly, my, my, my um, strengths finder, my number one's ideation, uh, my second strategic, like, I feel like I, you know, in my, my mind, I tell myself, I know a thing or two, you know, my ideas are the best, you know, it's probably all lies, but you know, my, I, 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 I think that to myself, I, I am not a passive personality and I actually, travel and go a lot of places and pick up a lot of ideas. So I actually feel like I have a lot to contribute and believe it or not, I'm often in a place where I don't feel permission to share my ideas. And, and I think what, what I try to realize is it may, my contribution may not be for today. It may be for tomorrow, but I'll never have the opportunity to contribute tomorrow. If I burn those bridges today, if I get a bad attitude today, 
So I want to be around long enough to contribute. I want to be around long enough to say something. And um, so that means today I build trust. And that's not inauthentic. I, I kind of figure if I never get to share my idea, I'll still build trust and I'll still go all in for somebody else's vision. But just now having 17 years of ministry under my belt now, like at this season of my life, I can look back and see how building trust and doing that long enough. Now I actually get to contribute a lot more than I was able to before, because I think I have a real understanding with the people in my life. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to burn you. Those are not empty words. Those are true words. And now I do get invited into rooms and to sit at tables that I wanted to be at when I was 25, that I wasn't at when I was 25, but now I am because I, I honor them. So I guess I would just say the same thing, play the long game that realize that you're, you're not going anywhere in ministry, if you want to be around in 10 years and your contribution will be great in 10 years and 20 years if you won't burn those bridges now. Hey, so being being a relatively young leader, you know, I'm 26, uh, which in the grand scheme of things is pretty young in ministry. Um, and I, I find that myself and other young leaders are in a kind of an interesting position where we're leading people. Uh, I guess my question is kind of twofold. One, uh, we're leading people that are our peers that are friends that are around the same age as us. How does that look? Uh, what are the things that we should look out for? What are some ways to navigate that appropriately as the leader? And then two, we're leading people that are older than us that have, you know, been around the block that have either been in ministry longer or are just have a few extra years of wisdom. Um, so if you could just speak to how to lead in those scenarios, such a great question, leading people who are older than you, um, Jesus instructs us to judge a tree by its fruit. You know, if the tree is good, the fruit will be good. Tree is bad, the fruit will be bad. He did not say judge a tree by its trunk size. A trunk size would speak to age. Fruit speaks to, um, I think, the work of God in your life. And um, there are very old trees that can have bad fruit and very young trees that can have good fruit. So uh, the Bible also tells us, you know, when, when Paul is talking to his protege, um, said, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But then he flips the, the scales, set an example. The, in other words, the bar is actually higher for you to um, clear because you're younger. You don't have credibility in the bank. You don't have, you don't have a lot of fruit you know, in, in your past. And so your bar is actually higher to, if you want to lead, to set an example, but you can set an example and age doesn't have to be a factor. To me is what that verse says. I'll never forget my first night of being a youth pastor at 20, which I don't think 20 year olds have any business being a high school youth pastor. I was two years older than the actual kids. Colby, you were there. Um, two years older than the actual kids I'm pastoring. It's just an awkward experience at best. Uh, I mean, I, I'm glad I gave it a go. I'm glad people give it a go, but it was just, you know, not my finest moments always. Uh, I'll never forget my first night. Keep Keeping in mind, I had taken over a youth ministry from um, a previous youth pastor who was loved and he hadn't left voluntarily. So that for therefore meant that the kids in the youth ministry were still kind of loyal to him kind of hurting a little bit. He was gone. Um, you know, I had a great run there for a few years, but my first night there, I'll never forget. I did my first message. I'm sure it was terrible. God even knows what it was about. 
But one of the youth leaders, and she was about two years younger than me, um, she had been very faithful to um, the previous youth pastor. She walks up to me and said, I said, hey, how did you enjoy service tonight? And she was like, you said um 127 times during your message. <laughs> and I looked at the top of her notes and she had been counting, like, like tally marks, counting how many times I said um during the message. I'm mortified in that moment. And I don't know what came over me. Certainly God, it was not my natural. My natural response would have been to burn the house down at that moment. Some sort of fruit of the spirit barely showed up in my life in this moment. And I, I looked at her and I said, I want to be better than that. Will you count for me every single week? Because I want to be better. And do you know, it, like in a, in a few weeks, she, she came running up to me. She was like, you only said um like three times tonight. It was amazing. It was awesome. And do you know, she actually became like one of my great youth leaders, number one. She's actually in ministry today. You know, she, 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 did, she didn't have anything against me. She was just hurting. She, she just missed her old youth pastor is really like looking back now, probably what was happening. But here's my point. As a young leader who really didn't have any fruit at the time and didn't have a lot, you know, to ride on, um, I had to navigate that moment well. I couldn't just blow her off. I couldn't just fire away at her. I had to handle, I had a high bar to clear in that moment to win her over, which thankfully I did. And she was, she made a great contribution to our youth ministry in that time. But, but as a young leader, it was required of me that I rose really high in that moment. Thank God. I, I, I got so many moments wrong. Thank God I got that one. Right. Um, where I had to, I had to clear the bar and, um, go the extra mile as a young leader. I think what's required of young leaders is you have to have a second mile spirit that when, when you have the opportunity to go one mile, you go two. And, um, you, that you are, you have to unfairly show, I have the chops for this. I can do it. I can do it with grace. I can do it with humility because you just don't have the longevity and the fruit on the tree that you will in a couple decades if you stick around long enough. So I think, um, when you're walking into those moments, have confidence. Don't let age be a factor. Don't let the mind monsters creep in. Are there going to be people sitting out there who age is a factor to them? Sure, but just prove them wrong. But don't prove them wrong by your talent. Prove them wrong by your grace. Prove them wrong by your humility. Prove them wrong by, by being willing. Like when someone comes to you and asks you a question and you don't know the answer, don't BS it in that moment. Say, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but I will absolutely work to find out. And then go find out and get back to them in 24 hours. In other words, prove to them, I'm, I'm humble, I'm teachable, I don't think I know everything, I don't think I'm the smartest person here, I don't think I'm the most creative person here, I'm just the person willing to give it a go and I want you to be a part of this thing with me. Have that kind of sense of, of humility with strength. And I, I think that will go a long way for you as a young leader. And also, um, don't be afraid to surround yourself with people who are older than you people that are um, more talented than you, more skilled than you, and lean on them. Learn from them. They, if, if you'll surround yourself with some great people who are older than you, um, ask for them to join your vision, but, but ask for them to contribute, ask for their wisdom. What you'll end up finding is they'll end up being some of your greatest defenders, your greatest advocates, and they'll advocate to people that are older than you on your behalf. And they'll lend you their credibility until you can establish that credibility for yourself.
So don't be afraid to surround yourself with amazing people. There was one time I was leading our small groups at our church and um, we were just kind of stuck. We weren't in a good season with it. Um, one of the best things I did was I, I picked five business people or top level people in our church that I knew that loved small groups, loved me, wanted to see things move forward. I picked them. I got them all in a room with me for like a year and I let them help me strategize. And actually that was a season in our church where we broke through from just a couple dozen groups to a couple hundred groups in like 18 months. Certainly not because of my doing, but because I, I laid down my pride. I had been stuck for like a few years, but I finally laid down my pride and realized I couldn't do it alone. And in 18 months, I accomplished what I couldn't in like five years because um, I just got people around me that were better than me. But what was amazing is they still let me lead. And because I was willing to say, guys, I don't know at all. Um, I've been asked to lead, but I, I, I want to do this with you. I want to ask for your help. I want to ask for you to lend your voice to me. And they actually lent me thoughts, wisdom, credibility that I didn't have at the time. And I learned a tremendous amount from them that I still get to use in my ministry today. You know, I can totally relate to that. I don't lead as many people at my age as much as I do older people. Cause like our kids team, we've got a lot of moms. Like I don't have any kids. So my credibility looks pretty shoddy compared to people <laughs> who are like, yo, I got four kids in a minivan. Like, let me tell you a thing or two. Right. <laughs> and so understanding that, understanding that there are going to be people that do know way more than me and people who think they know more than me and the humility, like what you were talking about. If you come in low, our pastors talk a lot about coming in, um, in like a, um, reverent, not reverent stance, but a lower stance, like a humility, um, in a very humble place and just talking to them and get, getting their feedback. First of all, you get incredible ideas that I never would have known. And two, you're so right. Suddenly you have like 50 year olds who literally could be my mom advocating for me or like sitting at a table, listening to my advice. And I'm just to use a millennial term, I'm shook because I'm literally like, wow, it's incredible. Um, their willingness to hear from you when you're willing to hear from them. You know, John Maxwell says people don't care how much, you know, till they know how much you care. That's right. And so people I can buy into the leader before they buy into what they think or what they know or what they're trying to say. It's so true. That's so true. Hey, love you guys so much. Thank you for what you're doing in ministry. Thank, Thank you. you for leading strong, for defying age, for being uncommon. I respect each one of you and uh, believe great seasons are ahead for your life, for your ministry. It's going to be amazing to watch. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, continuing our series, Millennials in Ministry, that we may not be done yet uh, with this conversation. I'm really enjoying leaning into some topics here that I believe are relevant for young leaders today. So I pray this has helped you. And, and uh, if you'd like to hear us talk about more aspects of this topic, shoot us an email, reach out to us. We would love to uh, continue to dive into this very vital and necessary topic. Uh, if this podcast is resonating with you, I would encourage you to help us out by becoming a podcast ambassador. That simply means hitting the subscribe button, commenting, leaving a rating, sharing the podcast with someone who may not know about it yet. We would just consider it an honor to have a voice into your life or to your team 
every Thursday morning. We have a few episodes to go uh, before we take a little bit of a break for the summer. So we're looking forward to finishing this month strong. So Leading Second, we love you. So thankful for you, praying for you today. Uh, Until next time, Leading Second, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. For more information, check out leadingsecond.com or join us on the Leading Second Forum on Facebook.